Hey everybody, it's Jenny from Growth Mode Marketing. You're listening to Demand Gen Fix, the podcast where our team of growth motors and our guests discuss the ins and outs of demand generation and why we believe it's the key to long-term sustainable growth, especially in the HR tech industry. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Demand Gen Fix with Growth Mode Marketing. Today, Deanna and Erica and I will be continuing our discussion about the key pillars of the Demand Gen engine. On our past couple of episodes, we dug into strategy and content. And so today we're going to talk about the third and no less important pillar, distribution. Last time we talked a lot about content and we talked about how that is the fuel of your engine. And so distribution, you can kind of think of as the wheels. It is how you get your content out in front of your ideal customer profile. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just a reminder, like the three pillars of a demand generation engine, they are strategy, content, and distribution. And the distribution, you know, a lot of times it's happening at the same time as that content pillar, because you're constantly feeding the engine with content, you've got to constantly be distributing it too. And I think, you know, when you think about distribution, what we mean is, this is how you get that content out there in front of your ideal customer profile and push it out various ways, you know, so getting your content and really growing your digital footprint out, doing campaigns to push content out in front of those people, all those activities, it's kind of like the execution phase of, okay, we've got great content. How do we get it in front of the people? We want to read it, listen to it, watch it. That's what distribution is. Right. And it's really not about necessarily okay, we have all this content, so we need to be everywhere. We need to put this everywhere. We need to you know, plaster it all over the board. This is really the opportunity then to also understand where your ideal customer profile is. Where are your prospects? You know, Where are they finding their information? And really making sure that you're focused on the distribution to those different platforms or channels or networks. So that's just something to mention that it's not necessarily about getting your content out there everywhere, but really focused on, again, going back to that idea of having an ideal customer profile and building all of your content around that. Right. And it's about taking an omni-channel approach to things, getting your content out there for prospects to consume because we know statistics, according to Gartner, are it takes 66 touches to get in front of a prospect if you're a sales rep. You've got to get that content out there. And it's unlikely, like let's say you publish content on your blog, that they're going to come to your blog 66 times to look at the articles that you're posting. So taking that omni-channel approach is how do we get our content out there for the different ways that people consume and the different places that they're hanging out so that they're seeing you in more places than just a couple. At Growth Mode Marketing, we do talk about the those places being, um, there's three levels to think about as you're building that digital footprint out. And um, the first one is, of course, your website. That's just kind of a no-brainer. That's, you know, everyone has a website. That's where all of your content should live. 
Um, but you also should have managed channels, which is, you know, your social media, your email, things like that, you know, things that you control, how they go out and who they go to, who you can target and things like that. And then there's also relevant third party channels, which is another, we'll touch on it a little bit more in a bit, but it's, it's something that maybe everybody doesn't necessarily think about. And it's a really good way to get your content out there. Maybe we should dig in a little bit more to these different pillars of distribution a little bit more in depth. So maybe focusing on the website piece first, just let's talk a little bit more about what what goes into that and how should it look. Yeah, the website is essentially your digital storefront. And I think a lot of organizations, like everybody knows that you've got to have a good website, but it's more than just making it look pretty. It's got to have really good content that's targeted to the people that you are trying to attract and the companies that would be the ideal fit for you. So going back to that ideal customer profile and really looking at, is our website where it needs to be today? And it's not just a certain type of content that goes on there. I think it's really about having a mix of content for each stage of the funnel. So if you've got people that come to your site that are in the awareness stage, which happens to typically be 95% of companies that are not currently in market to buy, they're not coming to your website looking for product information, but you want to bring them to your website. You want them to be able to find content. That's where that like top of funnel type of content really can add value for people. So we're talking, you know, like your podcasts, your webinars, your blog articles, things like that. But then you also need to have the content for the 5% of companies that actually are in market to buy and are either in that consideration stage or that decision stage, having content about your products and services as well so that they can go in there and they can really get an understanding of who your company is, what the solutions are you provide, and you know, if it's great if they're coming to your site at that point because there's some buying intent there when they're looking at your content. Right. I mean, the whole point is to get people to spend more and more time on your website, right? So you want to have that really robust, deep set of content so that, like you said, Deanna, you you have people looking that are just in the awareness stage, they're just learning, it's you know, high level, but then you also might have some pricing information, some, you know, details about your products, some product demos, things like that. That, that are out there for those consumers that are getting ready to buy, you know, are getting closer to making that purchase. As they are digging around on your site, you want to make sure that they stay there. So having different, we call it a loop, you know, so like if you're reading a blog article, then maybe there's going to be a link to a podcast episode that takes them a little bit farther into the topic or something like that. So looping your content and really uh, making sure that it's robust is important. Yeah, I, I think content loops are really important when you're building out the content on your site because you don't want them, whether they came to your site to read an article or they came to find product information you don't want them to read it and immediately jump off. The ideal situation is they're intrigued enough that they dig deeper. And so when we talk about those content loops, think about like when you go to someone's website and you look at the content and then there's a, here's more on this topic type of thing. So putting links to other content that's relevant to what they just looked at. And I think if you think of it like an infinity loop, 
you know, like everywhere they go, there's more content being recommended, you know, and so that they can take that journey to really go as deep as they want to go and stay on your website versus going back to Google and looking for more content on the same topic. Yeah, that's a really good point, Deanna, too. And just thinking, I think sometimes people go to publish a piece of content and you just put it out on your website, but it's really about, you know, an important piece is really thinking about the buyer's experience and being able to kind of create that experience for them and also always kind of keeping in the back of your mind the importance of the navigation to those different pieces on your website. And is that user-friendly or are people getting to a certain piece of content and then they're like, okay, now I have no idea (laughs) what else to look at here or where else to go. So I think that's a really good point. And just to give an example, like let's say you're an HRIS software company. Prospect lands on your website to read that article on the topic of, let's say, key data points HR leaders should be looking at to understand HR trends in the organization. The content loop is serving up more content on the topic while they're on your site. So there may be a check out our podcast episode on this topic. And here's an infographic on the top reports you should pull from your HRIS system. And here's a recorded webinar with even deeper insights on it. So it's really like just putting more content similar to the topic on there, not jumping to different topics, but being able to feed that loop for them because they're clearly interested in a specific topic when they come to your site. Yeah, and you want them to be able to go as deep as you want. As you mentioned, you don't want them to jump off off of your site to go Google something else. And of course, mm-hmm. somebody else's company is going to come up. In addition to that example, Deanna, there that creating that loop and creating that experience, another thing that we need to think about too on the website is really in addition to that awareness or consideration content, but also providing detailed product information so that once you do hit that group of people that are in market to buy, those prospects are able to go as deep as they want and start to find more of that product-specific information on your site. You have to make sure, again, that you're not just focused on certain stages of the funnel. You, you have to make sure you have content across the board so that as people are doing that research, they can go as deep as they want. And when they're ready to start making a decision, there's information available that's going to help them to do that. And 80% of buying decisions typically are made before somebody in the B2B world even wants to talk to a sales rep. So I think that's something to keep in mind that, again, if 80% of that decision is made with the research that someone's able to do online, that just really emphasizes the importance of do you have enough information for someone to do that much research before they want to talk to you or talk to your sales team. And not just the amount of of information, but the different kinds of information too. You know, you want to have a variety of things out there on your site. You'll have product literature, probably some demos, videos, as I mentioned before, some pricing. Case studies are a great way to educate buyers on your product. The fact that, you know, like Gartner Research has found 72% of B2B buyers don't actually want to interact with a sales rep during the purchase process indicates that it's really important that your website is built so that people can do as much of the decision process and the research as they want to do before they talk to a salesperson because you want them sold before they ever pick up the phone. I mean, those are the ideal leads. 
everybody, especially in sales, wants to come in the door, right? Versus the ones that you have to chase and chase that have really slow sales cycles and never really close. Um, obviously, there's there's a big difference between those you know, types of leads coming in versus the, the ones that aren't ready to buy. I mean, that was a lot of information to talk about just on our website, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's a lot and you want to make sure that that is very in-depth, but then you also have a lot of other options for getting content out and getting in front of your ideal customer profile. So one that, of course, everybody uses is their managed channels, you know, social media, email, all of these kinds of things. I mean, that's where you really get to build your audience. Deanna mentioned... The website is your digital storefront. You own that. You get to choose how you build that out and what's there. Managed channels are also something where you also have full control of what's going out and what is published on those channels and when you're engaging, the audience that you're targeting, things like that. These are different channels that you own the rights to or you have the rights to those different channels. Yeah, or it's or it's rented space. Like you don't own, you know, LinkedIn, for example, but you're renting space on there and you get to control for the most part what you publish, when you publish, when you put it on there. The way to think about managed channels, these are the channels where you have an opportunity to build your own audience. And that is really important as you're building out your demand generation engine because you are focusing on your ideal customer profile and you want those individuals to buy into your unique point of view. And ultimately, you want them to follow along and continue to consume your content on an ongoing basis. And so if you approach it thinking, we're going to put all this content out there and you're thinking about the fact that the whole intent is to attract and build an audience that continues to follow us, it really puts into perspective how you can leverage that managed channel. And I think they become really powerful assets when you do build up that audience over time because they start to want to consume more content and you have a reason to keep putting stuff in front of them so that when they are in market to buy, they know who you are. You're not some long forgotten solution that once upon a time they read an article and, and kind of moved on from. They trust you and they might even, before they ever even have a need to work with you, have it in their mind that someday I'd love to work with this company. And, and that is a really good thing to create. I think you have to also think about where that ideal customer profile is is looking online and where they're getting their content because you maybe have a LinkedIn profile and that's where you're putting all of your stuff out there. That's your main go-to for social media. And you may find that your ideal customer profile is hanging out on TikTok. You have to do the research to find out where it is that people are actually congregating and looking and researching and that kind of stuff because there's a lot of different options out there to utilize. And you know, when you think about like what are these managed channels where you can build an audience, I think there's a lot of different options out there. I mean, you've got all the social media platforms, podcasts, webinars, email campaigns, blogs, digital advertising, all the things that you can execute on that you guys have control over. Here's the timing when it goes out. Here's what I'm putting out. Like That's everything I would bucket into what's considered managed channels. Something else that we've been digging into more and more at Growth Mode Marketing is leveraging third-party channels. This is something you may not 
have ever even thought of doing. But these are really good resources to get your name out there. It's industry outlets, influencers, people that have a good following that are already an established audience in your industry. If you can get them to talk about you, you know, whether that's paid or unpaid, you know, it's a really good resource because people trust these influencers and they trust these people to really give them good advice. So if you can get in front of those audiences, that's a really good third pillar to work on for your content. Yeah. The the goal is basically when we talk about third-party channels, it's how to continue to expand your digital footprint. And you're, you're, you know, in the managed channels, you're building out your own audience but it takes time to build an audience and you're not going to get, uh, unfortunately, everybody you want in your audience to follow you. So how do you build brand awareness outside of your own circle of friends, <laughs> the audience members? Some may look at it if, if you're a new, unknown HR technology out there, you might actually want to start with the third-party channel versus really investing your time in your own own managed channel because when you start your own managed channel, your audience is zero and you're building that audience from scratch. And I do think it's really important to build that audience. But if you don't have any brand awareness yet, it's pretty difficult and slow to get that rolling. And the way you can get in front of people and build some brand awareness sooner is to look at those third-party channels. And the third-party channels, they've got those existing audiences, you know, and if there's someone out there that they're talking to your ideal customer profile and you can tap into that, absolutely do that. Because one, I think it builds credibility when someone else is talking about you or you're leveraging it in a way where your people are going in and having conversations with their people and they're sharing it with their audience. Third-party channels, they just really add a lot of credibility you know, because it's not just your team talking about the opportunity. And yes, like Jenny said, some of it is organic and some of it is pay-to-play. There's actually a lot of third-party opportunities out there if you're willing to spend some money on it to do things that, you know, from an audience perspective, they're probably not looking at it thinking, I bet they paid to be on that podcast. You know, like they're just looking at it as like an organic conversation and it's not product driven, but you're an industry influencer and that's why you were invited on the podcast, for example. Just to go back to Jenny's point about that this is industry outlets or influencers, I think sometimes we find ourselves even with some of our clients just reminding them of the fact that influencer marketing isn't just a B2C tactic, that there's a lot of opportunity in the influencer world for B2B companies as well. And to really, again use those influencers within these different industries and within these different markets who already have an audience. Just like someone would an influencer in a, you know, a consumer product, use that audience that they've already built to really build on and leverage that to then build your own brand awareness and credibility to then again go back and be able to m- build out your managed channels and understand you're building an audience through those third-party channels that then is going to start to look for you and follow you in other places as well. So I think that's just something that we find ourselves talking about this idea of influencers. And it's not just a consumer 
tactic. It's a tactic across B2B marketing strategies as well. And you would be surprised how much there is to find in the HR industry, really. I mean, HR has publications, media outlets, you know, Human Resource Executive Magazine, HR.com, HR Dive, HR Professionals Magazine, HR Digest. I mean, it just goes on and on. And there's all kinds of influencers out there in the HR industry. And to be clear, when we say influencers, I think when people think B2C, they think, oh, you know, this person was on the bachelor and now they're pushing Mm -hmm. a product. That's not what we're necessarily talking about when we're talking about influencers. It's not always an individual. I mean, I think there are certainly individuals out there within the industry that have their own, you know, like podcasts and blogs and publications that you can leverage. But it's also like industry associations, product review sites like G2 Crowd, Captera, Trust Radius, you know, SAS Genius. Industry award programs are an opportunity. Maybe calling them influencers is not the right word for it. But, you know, the whole point is there's all these outlets out there and these different channels that already have an audience that you can tap into to build out your credibility, to build out your brand awareness, and to get in front of people who may not be coming to your website or may not have found your managed channels yet. And it's a way to hopefully drive them to those other channels and your website. I think there's a lot of mistakes that are being made out there with people getting their content out there, distributing things. One I can think of right off the top of my head is, like I said before, sticking with one channel. Don't limit where you're putting your content. Get it out there to a lot of different channels. Omni-channel, as we mentioned, don't just stick with LinkedIn because that's all you know. Learn about these different places. You know, Do your research. Find out where your people are, where your ideal customer profile is looking, and, and don't just focus on that one level of distribution. I would add another common mistake is not supporting the buyer's journey and thinking about the way people want to buy. So not putting enough content out there so that people can go as deep as they want on the topics, regardless of which stage of the funnel they are. But especially if they're in the consideration or decision phase and they want to know more about your product, but they don't want to pick up the phone and talk to a sales rep yet, why limit that information? Like Give them everything they need so that they can go as deep as they want because some people only want to scratch the surface, but some people really want to go deep before they're ever willing to have that conversation with a sales rep. And I think if you miss that opportunity with your own content, they're going to find the answers they seek with a different vendor out there. And and that's the last thing that you want when you've got a captive audience that has come looking for information specifically from your company. Yeah, another thing that I think is a common mistake is people don't remember the or go back and really work on building out their audience. So you've identified your ideal customer profile, you know who you want to be targeting with this content, but you're not actively looking for that audience and really focused on building out that following. Your content just isn't going to be viewed to its full potential, I think is that's another mistake that we commonly see. So true. And you know, it's a lot of work to create really good content and to create it on an ongoing basis. 
the last thing you want is for it not to be viewed because then it's it's wasted effort and you want to make sure all of those investments you make in creating that content pay off for you. So you definitely want to have that audience that buys into the unique point of view that you're telling and that story and that it's resonating with them. And ultimately, they build an affinity for your brand. Another thing I would throw out there is not showing up in the right places which means you're missing the opportunity to build brand awareness with your ideal customer profile. I can't emphasize this enough. The ideal customer profile is so important in being the foundation and that first building block for everything else that you're doing because it really makes you get hyper-focused on who you're targeting. It gets you hyper-focused on the content you're creating. Well, when it comes to the distribution strategy, it helps you get hyper-focused on thinking about, is this where my ideal customer profile is hanging out? Is this how they're consuming content and engaging with us and making sure that you're not just doing broad brush strokes to get content out there, but that you're getting it out in the right places? Because you don't need to be everywhere, but you want to be where those companies are hanging out. And as we mentioned in the last three episodes, actually, through this whole series, we talked about the demand gen engine strategy, content, and now distribution. You're constantly feeding this engine, right? You're never stopping. You're always constantly keeping it going. And so that is something too. You can't just think you've built it out and and let it go and and think it's gonna just keep going. You know, you have to feed the fuel, you have to, you know, keep it out there and and keep keep your engine running. For sure. You know, and, and just to kind of recap this topic at growth mode marketing, we believe there are three keys to building out a content distribution. It's building out content on your website so prospects can go deep. It's growing your audience on managed channels where you control what and how often you can put that content out there. And it's tapping into those third-party channels to get in front of their existing audiences for opportunities to expand your reach and build credibility beyond your own content. So moral of the story, don't skimp on the distribution pillar because an effective demand generation engine takes all three pillars to fire up your growth. That's strategy, content, and distribution. Thanks for joining us on the Demand Gen Fix a podcast for HR tech marketers brought to you by Growth Mode Marketing. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe for more perspectives on demand generation and B2B marketing strategies. Plus, give us a like. Tell your friends. We'll see you next time.